So this is a brief portrait of what love is, and we could look through many more verses and to explore and flesh it out. Um, this is just kind of one of the emphasis scriptures have on um, what love is, but um, but mainly I just want us to see that love, real love, results in action. Love is seeing others and their needs and acting in ways to meet those needs and build them up. In these scriptural examples, we see that giving to people who are lacking is um, a prime example of love. But again, don't let that limit you. Any action, be it prayer or encouragement, that helps another person and considers their feelings and interests before or as important your own is love. But let's look now into overflow of love and the main passage I want to look into, which is Philippians uh, 1, 3 to 11. Uh, Pastor Danny quoted the end of this passage when he did an overview of this series. And uh, here Paul is writing a letter to a church in a city called Philippi. And he opens this letter with a thanksgiving to God and a prayer for his recipients. Philippians 1, 3 to 11. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about you all, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I long for you and love you with all the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. The first verses of this passage, so until start, Paul starts to play, pray in verse 9, are important because it shows um, Paul's character and Paul's affection and heart for the people he's writing to. In verse 3, he says every time that he thinks of them, uh, he thanks God for them. And that he, in the next verse, that he's always offering to them, prayer to them with joy. So whenever, he, whenever they come to mind, which is often because he prays for them often, he rejoices in them, and it just and it, and it uh, gives him joy to think of them, and it uh, empowers him to go forward. His joy, he says, is based in how they have participated with him in the gospel until now. So these people have not only accepted Jesus' death for them and lived in the new life that God gives through Jesus, but they immediately and without fail shared that with others, both by helping Paul, which becomes later in the, evident later in the letter, but also, I'm sure, through their own testimony and their life in the city, in their city, Philippi. And Paul is confident in verse 6, he mentions, that God will work on them until Jesus returns. 
And I'm going to pick up on that, that topic and theme later. Paul says that he has them in his heart because they've been partakers of grace with him in his imprisonment and defense and confirmation of the gospel. Paul here was close to the Philippians because they continued to work with him even when he was arrested and imprisoned. I think also the phrase about being partakers of favor or grace with him shows that his feelings of love towards them is based in how they all live together in the grace of God. They've accepted the grace that is the free gift of God through believing in Christ. And as, as the family that they are now in Christ, they feel uh, love for each other. Finally, in verse 8, Paul says that he longs for them with the affection of Christ Jesus. This shows that as a Christian, he is so identified with Jesus and gotten to know Jesus that he feels as Jesus would feel towards the Philippians. So it's part of what motivates him. Um, and I'm going to get into this a little bit more about how knowing God and overflowing in love are closely related. So one thing about this part, I just, like, this um, first part of the, the passage is about, well, in related to the topic, I can see that he has great affection and love for the Philippians. And I spent some time a minute ago just making sure that, uh, showing how love is primarily an action in the Bible, but we see that emotional love and affection and desire for others' benefit is definitely part of the Christian life and comes from knowing God. Um, but uh, yeah, it's different from how many people would think of love because that kind of love is usually based on other things. I mean, like you like X, Y, and Z about them and they uh, seem to. But Paul's love was really was deeply tied to his relationship with Jesus and how Jesus loved them as well. Uh, and then, so at this point in verse 9, Paul pray, prays for them, and I'll read it again. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. So Paul here asks that their love would overflow more and more. The phrase, more and more, indicates that the church of Philippi did already love. So we've seen first that they were partners with Paul in proclaiming the gospel. And um, that's definitely a part of love, because what the gospel is, is essentially, um, you know, what we have from God. And sharing that with others and making sure other people know is part of loving them because it, it really brings benefit into their lives as well. Um, so we've seen also that there were partners with Paul in proclaiming the gospel. And later in the book, it mentions that the Philippians were one of the only ones who gave material help to Paul. Um, as he went about his ministry. And that, again, shows how love is about giving, is often about giving to those who are lacking and who need it. Paul wants their love to overflow or abound, to grow and grow and spill over greatly to others. The second phrase mentions 
that they will grow in knowledge and understanding. The knowledge and understanding, the knowledge here primarily refers to knowledge of God. And so it's not a cold, like, academic knowledge or just facts about God, but it's actually knowing God. And yes, of course, that includes facts and theology, but it's, it's more of a relationship rather than anything else. And I think we see this in Paul, who in the verse before says that he has, he loves them with the same compassion as Christ Jesus. Um, understanding is, is similar, but it's more of like uh, understanding how to live in the world and how would God would have us do things. I, I know the Old Testament in the Psalms it talks about there's prayers of show me your way, O Lord. And so it's not like one or two steps, but a whole pathway, a whole highway to know how God would um, have us live. And that, that's what the understanding is there. It says all understanding. The version that I read from separates these two phrases. So abound more and more in love and grow in understanding and knowledge. Um, it does this, I think, to make it a little clear, more clear and easy to understand. But for those who are, of you who are following in other translations, you'll see that it reads a little different. And it does this because in the original, um, the word order is a little bit more like this. As I pray, and it, and it goes like this. I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. So instead of separating the two, it's kind of one phrase. And I think this, it, it shows that there's a close connection between the two. And uh, I think it's, there is a close connection between overflowing in love and knowledge and understanding of God. Because it shows us how we even start overflowing with love, how we even can overflow with love. Knowing Jesus and having his discernment is paramount to overflowing in love. So, um, as we go to the scriptures, as we go to the prayer, prayer, as we spend time with Jesus ourselves um, and know him and understand him, that provides a basis for us to love. And we also see God's own love, and that inspires us. And I'm going to uh, get to that next, because I'm reading uh, Ephesians 3. 14 to 19, which says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And you may have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. This uh, passage shows us that through the Holy Spirit's work and illumination in our lives, we are given the power and revelation to understand God's love. And it's a love too great to understand fully. It is a love that cannot be contained and overflows 
um, the passage talks about how God's love is our foundation. That as we are rooted and grounded in love, we understand God's love and are made complete with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So we see a bit here why knowing God and overflowing in love are connected. Since God's love is too great to understand fully, as we understand it more, so also we will love more and more and increase and overflow in love. And um, it, it is this love that we have from God that is our foundation for our love for others, as I mentioned. And th- this uh, kind of stems from First uh, John 4.19, which says, we love each other because he loved us first. Um, so in response to God's great and overflowing love, his love that is beyond understanding, so also we love others and we can see the overflow our love. Um, oh, we can see our love overflow in the church and around us. Next, I want to look into some passages from 1 Thessalonians. Whenever I read this book, I, I often notice that um, Paul s- mentions a number of times that this church has a character of love. And he shows a little more about how we, and it, and as we read, we can see a little bit more how, as we as a church, should come by love and grow in love for each other and for all people. 1 Thessalonians three eleven to 13. May our f- God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ bring us to you very soon. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow. Just as our love for you overflows. May he, as a result, make your heart strong, blameless, and holy as you stand before God our Father when our Lord Jesus comes again with all his holy people. Amen. So again, it's, it's almost the exact same prayer in, in some respects because he prays for their love to overflow. And we also see how Jesus is directly part of making that happen. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow, it says. And this, this I think, connects to uh, Philippians 6, which says, and I'm certain that God, who began the work with good work within you, will finish it until the day uh, when Christ Jesus returns. So we see here and there that um, part of that work, that good work that Christ is doing us, is to make us grow and overflow in love. And that, that fact and idea that God is working in us and um, bringing about his will in our lives is, is something I, I always rejoice in and have great hope annoying because I know it's not it's not about me or all of us I don't know muscling up enough love but it's about us um, humbly seeking God and being transformed by him uh, more and more each day um, this passage also shows us I guess why it's important why overflowing in love is important because here and in Philippians 
Paul says that the purpose of love is to overflow and establish blameless and holy until the coming of Jesus Christ. And this connection, I think, is made because both times, because love and living a life of love fulfills um, the law, you know, with all of its regulations of purity and righteousness and holiness. As Christians, our faith is a continuation and a fulfillment of the covenant of laws given to Israel. But we don't live by the letter or the specific rules of the law anymore. The New Testament says that this never did or never could result in true righteousness. But rather now, we live by the Spirit. God himself works in us and teaches us to love that in turn, and in that, in turn, fulfills the law. Later in Thessalonians, uh, chapter 4, 9 to 10, Paul says, But we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other, for God himself has taught you to love one another. Indeed, you already show your love for all the believers throughout Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. Here Paul says he doesn't need to write to them about the importance of love because God himself teaches them. And yeah, this, this verse continues that idea of how God works in us to overflow with love. Um, as we seek him, as we know him, God himself teaches us how to actually go about loving each other and all people. It also shows um, kind of one of the ways, I guess, love can overflow, because he mentions that they don't only love the people in their church in their city, but all of the believers throughout Macedonia. So it shows that love can extend throughout a whole region, which is, which is cool. How does Jesus teach us to love each other, and how does he work in us to overflow with love, you might ask? The answer is, as with many things in our faith, through the work of his Holy Spirit. We recently did a series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we talked about, uh, for instance, the gifts of knowledge and discernment and healing and many, a couple others. There are ways in which God, these are ways in which God gives us special functions uh, for his body. And one thing we kept repeating is that the gifts are only good if they're used in love. And that's because um, just after the passage we'd always start from is the famous love chapter of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. And in it, Paul takes the time to say that the, the spiritual gifts are no good, they're useless, unless they're done with love. And he describes what love is like and what love is not like. You know, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, love does not boast. It's not puffed up. Um, so he describes that. And so like the church, and I think he, he's writing all that because the church uh, that he was writing to went the wrong way, and they started to look at the powers and miracles that were happening through them um, uh, they started to look at the miracles rather than their purpose to help each other, and then they became prideful and showboaty, and they tended to serve themselves rather than anyone else. So those are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. However, uh, as we are filled with the Holy Spirit and as we lead and follow his um, guiding, he works in us in many other ways. 
And one of those ways is to teach us love. I said earlier that Christianity is not about living by the letters or specific rules of the law, but by living by the Spirit. As we are filled with the Spirit and listen to Him and obey Him, there are certain results of character that result. Many of you will be very familiar with um, the fruits of the Spirit. In that chapter, Paul is talking about how those who live by the Spirit can live according to what is right and not follow the deeds of the flesh or what is wrong. So right, so Paul then, Paul lists many of the works of the flesh, and then he says in Galatians 5, 22 to 23, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The first one on this list is love. So to go about overflowing in love, it is essential that we are filled with the Spirit continually and that we allow, our, we allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit and listen to Him and walk in step with Him so that we might overflow with His fruit and the foremost of those fruits is love. So to conclude, it's evident that God desires us to overflow with love. Love is best shown by how Jesus laid down his life for us. This shows us that love is about action and giving what you have for the benefit of others. Paul prayed that the Philippians' love would overflow and that it would overflow in knowledge and understanding. So we've seen that knowing God and understanding how he would love, how he would have us love and live is closely related to our overflowing in love. And his love is so great that it can never be fully understood. And this is one of the reasons why it leads to overflow. As we understand God's love more and more, so we increase in love more and more. No matter how long you've known him and been a Christian, there's always more to know about his love. And this revelation and awe in his love for us is a foundation for us to love and overflow in love for others. In 1 Thessalonians, we can see that Jesus works in us so that our love overflows and that we can even be taught by God to love one another. Um, it's also very important to be filled with the Holy Spirit continually and follow his lead because this leads to the fruit of love in our lives. Our faith is exciting. We're always able to grow more. And one of the huge ways we grow is love.